59, 60, two lots of 54, and a lot, a lot of attention on men's pro golf this week. This is Golf Lovers United, where we discuss golf the fair way. My name is Mark, one of the hosts at Mr. Asquith on Twitter. And today, as always, I'm joined by my good friends Jay at Pro Golf Critic and Ben at Golf Lover UK. And we have got a heck of a lot to discuss. Not only are we going to give our picks for the upcoming week's tournaments, in particular the Live Tournament over in Las Vegas, the weekend of the Super Bowl. It's going to be a big one, but we're going to analyze and deep dive that cracking weekend of golf, wind and weather that we've just seen across men's golf. It's been a really, really interesting week. Of course, if you've been asleep, it was the season opener on Live Golf, Mayakoba. We also had the AT&T at Pebble Beach and an honourable shout out to the Bahrain Championship on the DP World Tour, which featured a really endearing win for someone that I think we all wanted to see back in the winner's circle. So we're going to dive deep into that in just a few minutes. Before we do that, a quick shout out to all of our supporters. It's really nice to see people supporting Golf Lovers United. It's really nice to see people joining the fan zone. And we need to give a big shout out to Tony Gentile, who joins us as a fan over at glugc.com slash support. The fan zone is open to everyone and you can get involved, like I said, at glugc.com slash support. You can tell your friends. They can find the show on YouTube or their podcast app of choice. So dig deep, enjoy it, leave some comments, have a little bit of fun with us wherever you get your podcasts or your entertainment. So without further ado, let me shut up and I'm going to bring on the wonderful Ben, the wonderful Jay. Ben, how are you, my friend? You had a good weekend. You enjoyed the golf? Yeah, I did enjoy the golf and a happy birthday to Tony Gentile. It won't be when he's listening to this, but I believe his birthday is today because I was chatting to him on Messenger on Instagram. So happy birthday to Tony. Um, I'm going to guess Tony is a youthful 16. He's not, but he might like that. <laughs> he would probably, I think we all like that. We're all very useful. I'm sure he's very youthful indeed. But uh, yeah, thank you so much, Tony. Thank you for joining us. It means a heck of a lot. And Jay, how are you, my friend? You doing all right? Yeah, everything's good. Uh, definitely dealing with a little bit of bad weather here in the Bay Area that um, definitely impacted Pebble Beach. Uh, we saw it was a lot of PJ pros that were making some bad weatherman content um, <laughs> over there in the Monterey Peninsula when they couldn't play, uh, couldn't play on Sunday. But uh, yeah, navigating things pretty well. Um, uh, everything going uh, going well though. No, uh, no complaints. Good man. Well, it's been a busy weekend, hasn't it? We should probably get to that. The AT&T, we saw uh, a 60, which we'll get to in a bit. Um, so I'm going to go 60 with an asterisk just for you, Ben. So we'll get to that in just a minute. And we saw Ludwig Eberg, Oberg. I need to get that pronunciation right. He was starting to make a bit of a move. So a little bit of bone of contention there. Had it gone to Sunday, would Wyndham Clark have been able to protect his legacy even further by coming second? Who knows? We'll get to that in just a second. But also the live season opener where we saw a victory from Legion 13, which was actually, it was a fantastic to see. Really, really enjoyed that. A lot to dig into there and a fantastic win uh, in an atmospheric playoff, of course, between Jaco Neiman and the wonderful Sergio Garcia. So a heck of a lot uh, to dig into on this one. But let's just spend a couple of minutes before we get to that. I just want to give a bit of a shout out to uh, the DP World Tour. It gets a bit of a, it's it's like the awkward stepchild at the minute, isn't it? No one's really... No one's really talking about it, but I watched it on Sunday. Um, Strider, there was uh, Dylan Fratelli, a few people in contention on a course that Monty had designed in the middle of a desert, what, 10, 15 years ago. 
it was actually quite compelling golf. I don't know if you you, you watched any Ben Jay. I know you, you you didn't spend much time with it. But Ben, did you spend much time with the DP World Tour this weekend? I I watched highlights, but one thing on the DP World Tour I'd love to talk about, just as a quick one, is that Marcel Marcel CM, the German guy. I think a lot of people don't realise quite how old he is. Like he's been around so so long. He's late forties. Yet another. I'm looking now. It's twenty. I thought he finished twenty second, but I'm wrong. He's twenty third. Like Marcel Siem has just been grinding on the European tour, getting some lo- loads of top twenty, top ten finishes for maybe twenty odd years, twenty five years. And it's actually we had Scott Drummond on the show, didn't we? Who dip, talked about his performance in the two thousand and four Wentworth. Well, Marcel Siem played in that event. So like Marcel Siem's been on tour for a long, long time, and just I think sometimes you do forget there are some absolute. Journeyman's the wrong word because journeyman implies that you haven't been great and you've moved around a bit. What would you call it? He's just been a stalwart of the tour, isn't he? I, I think sometimes some of these players get overlooked. And I, I, I quite like him. He's a bit different. He's got the he's got the long flowing locks and he's sort of languid where the way he walks up to the ball. Yeah, I did watch it. There is a young guy. I can't remember his name though. The one thing that DP World Tour did annoy me this week is there's a young lad who who won his card and still hasn't had a start. He's had to play four or five events on the Challenge Tour, so he still hasn't had a start despite winning his card. And I don't understand how that was happening. And I looked into it. I'm not going to get too political, but the reason he's not been getting into it and he missed out by three spaces this time is because of the five players have been parachuted in from the PGA Tour that lost their card. So, you know, the five, there were five players that got parachuted in from the PGA Tour onto the European Tour. Mm. Well, you, that way, you've got one bloke who's qualified and isn't getting a spot because people who've been kicked off another tour are taking it. That to me feels really wrong. It's not a dig at the PGA Tour. That isn't at all. I'm just saying that's actually the PGA, the DP World Tour. You've got a young man who's earned his card. He's done what you wanted him to do. He's gone through Q school and earned it and not got a place. Oh, it doesn't doesn't sit right with me. No, I get that. It's a... (laughs) It's a funny situation. Like I, I grew up, obviously being over here in England, grew up watching the, uh, the, the what was the European Tour back then. And it, it, I know this feels a bit cliche, but it always felt a lot stronger then. When you when you had Westwood coming through, you had Poulter coming through, Rosie was coming through, but then you also had people like Monty still playing the tail end of Seve. Obviously Bernard Langer was a, a massive stalewart on there. And it just, it's, it's wild because it almost felt more global back then than it does now and it's sort of like you said it's sort of weird to see like I never really considered the European tour to be a weaker tour back in the day it may well have been and I may just not I may just not have had the information the data or the opinion to 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 see that but it always felt that Monty and Langer could go toe-to-toe with you know whoever Duval and whoever else on in in that generation and it just it is just increasingly starting to look like it's just a shame, isn't it? It's just looking like there's not much care and attention. Jay, I know you've got some thoughts on on where that that tour sits, but yeah, I, I don't know. Have oh, I got yeah. that wrong? Is it is that just is that like rose tinted glasses from like the nineties or what? No, I think you have it completely right. I think that the uh, the Europe, European tour of old it certainly is uh, it is not that anymore, unfortunately. Um, and part of it has to do with the decisions made by. Leadership and Keith Pelly, um, and honestly, this strategic alliance with the PJ Tour just is not panning out the way that um, anybody wants. Um, I think that, you know, and I think this is something people need need to probably watch watch out for. 
two, two and a half years ago, the European tour had a chance to uh, partner with the PIF. Um, and that would have allowed um, access to the live players playing in European tour events. Now, if you combine the live players with the European tour players, you start, especially now, I think if you combine those two against the PJ tour, I mean, you may be looking at a tour that's uh, a little bit better than the PJ tour. Like, I think that that's something that probably should have happened from the beginning. Um, unfortunately, you know, we, <laughs> we could talk about, you know, the PJ tour and how they've sort of threatened, uh, the DP world tour and their, their sponsors, if they didn't sort of side with them, like that definitely happens. So, you know, I think that, uh, two, two and a half years ago, the live was a totally unproven thing. They hadn't signed any players. It was a totally different ecosystem then than what it is now. So if you were to sort of reconfigure things and sort of align the European tour with live and allow some of these great European champions to like go back and play in some of these events like that would, would be because one, you're able to get them access to world ranking points Two, you're going to strengthen those fields. So the number of points available is even more than, uh, than what it is now. Um, and three, you wind up building up a competitor to the PJ tour. That's like actually on the same, same level. Like that's where I think this whole thing needs to go. Um, and I think that's, uh, that may be a, a world that we're living in, in the not too distant future. Like I think this whole deal with the merger now is very, very tenuous. Um, I think that's probably the most likely outcome of all this, there isn't necessarily going to be a deal between the PJ tour and PIF. I think PIF could go ahead and sort of take the Europe, European tour because we already saw in the, the paperwork, the PJ tour described it as a distressed asset. So it's like you, you could easily spin that off to the PIF uh, and sort of have them invest in it. And you know, that seems like the most logical thing to me. And, and I think that it would strengthen the tour. It would allow a path back for some of these great champions, which is what I really want to see. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to see it. The, the the people coming up like the Hogard twins and so on coming up through the DP World Tour as well because the the talent's clearly still there and and, and you know we, I think we should we're going to get to the the fields in a second on the PGA Tour and and, and live because it, it this week probably highlighted beyond all other weeks where men's professional golf is but huge shout out to Dylan Fratelli just before we do that because it. it not one on the DP World Tour for six years. Last year, the guy was thinking about walking away. We've all, look, we've all wanted to throw our seven iron around a tree from time to time. <laughs> but this is a guy's living. It's a, a, a guy, Ben's done that. Of course, it has. Probably when he threw the club championship away for long-term listeners, you will get this. The, the, the emotions are rife. They're huge. But this is someone's career. It's someone's livelihood. So massive props on that one. To Dylan Fratelli now. We we got to get to the fields then. One we, second, we, just, we got to get to the fields. Wanna, Jump in, I want to put that name on that guy. So it's eighteen year old Englishman Josh Berry became the second mm -hmm. youngest ever player to gain a DP World Tour card behind Rory McIlroy, and he hadn't had a chance to play yet because of the reasons we said. However, the good news is he has got his first start, and he will be playing Qatar this weekend. So great, to see he's got it. But a question should be asked: Is six events in? Should he probably have been able to play this far having won his card? I'd have thought so, but hey, he's in now and he's going to get a, going to get a chance. Hopefully, he will he will 
he will take the most of that chance. He's 18 years old and hopefully he's got a great career ahead of him. It was just, it was just a point just to say it, that, that didn't quite seem right to me. Go get your card, go get your card, get it and then get a start. Felt a bit weird. Yeah, it's interesting because it's <laughs> the the elation followed by the deflation must be challenging. So we'll see how he gets on in Qatar. And uh, yeah, what's something to probably to keep an eye on in terms of a concept that, you know, how often does that happen? Does it happen year on year? That's that's actually quite interesting, mate. Um, let's switch gears to live in the PGA Tour then. Um, I mean, the irony of Wyndham Clark winning a 50-hole, 54-hole no-cut elevated event tournament um, while protecting legacy. I mean... Doesn't matter which side you fall on. I think it's been a very interesting week. One thing I want to talk about Liv in particular in a minute. And obviously we're going to talk about the, the PGA Tour at at and But I want to sort of preface this with maybe for the first time ever, ever, whether you like Liv, hate Liv, like the PGA Tour, hate the PGA Tour, like all golf, hate all golf, whatever, it doesn't really matter. This is the first weekend that I've genuinely seen the whole of golf talking about the PGA Tour and live in complete parity. There's been, and obviously the weather's played a huge part in that one, but it felt like for the first time, as many quote-unquote column inches have been dedicated to live in a positive, even, you know, worst case, neutral way, has has been directed towards the PGA Tour. Um, again, is that is that Rowie Rose tinting that, or is that how does that feel, Jay? Does that feel does that feel fair? Yeah, I think that is fair. Uh, there's there's been um, there's definitely been a shift. Uh, you know, ever really since the Rom signing, like I feel like there there's been this this sort of seismic shift in the ether where you know people have been covering live a little bit differently. They've been talking about it differently. Um, and the thing is, when you look at the leaderboard, and I uh, posted this um, on Sunday, like you have all these like great champions at the top, number one, and number two, you have this global uh, sort of reach to these these players. You have players from the United States, South Africa, Australia, England, um, and then uh, two two players from Spain, and then someone from Chile. Like this is like. Uh, this is the whole vision of Liv actually playing out in real time. Um, and I think that it was so the, – the finish was, was so exciting. It was so um, interesting. You uh, you had someone – you had this this great champion like Sergio who's won, I don't know, 36 times worldwide. Uh, he's, he's a master's champion. And then you have someone who's younger on the come up, Joaquin Neiman, who I have said is like – I mean, probably one of the best players, uh, 25 years old and under, um, in the world. I think that he's the best uh, young player out there. Like these are the types of storylines that you need to continually build interest in uh, professional golf. And this is something that's been totally glossed over and whitewashed on the PJ Tour. Is that when you uh, remove all these great champions from your events, and then you have guys coming up. It's like in order for those younger guys to get like legitimacy and like prove themselves, they have to beat these older champions. And it just happens to be like pretty much all the older champions are over at live now. So I think that's a really important thing that it, um, I don't think people should necessarily gloss over. I think that it's something that's really, really important to uh, sort of uh, to building golf up and sort of <clears throat> 
making it uh, more interesting is that you have to have these matchups. And then you have someone like, like John Rahm who is breathing down their necks. Like this is like really, really com- <laughs> compelling stuff. Like this is something I, uh, I was actually uh, reading right before we hopped on, like viewership is like up 50% um, on Maya Koba from last year, which is this huge, huge uptick. Uh, and part of that is they've, they definitely got viewers that, would have typically watched Pebble, but you know, this is, uh, I thought, I thought it was a great event. Like it was really one of those, uh, times it was definitely a top five, um, event so far. Um, and you notice every now and then there are these times when uh, I live sort of up levels. And this was one of those times because it totally captured the imagination of the golf world. Um, and I saw people that have been very negative about it for two years, kind of flip and and basically saying and, and tweeting wow this is really cool yeah it, I, I spotted a lot of that myself and I, I think there's a few elements to that as well just to unpick the the up-and-comers versus the legacy I think that's an interesting one so Wacko versus uh Wacko versus um Sergio was it was a big deal the I think for the first time ever for me there was, I keep using this word now, but there was parity between the field strength. I, I genuinely don't think there has been. I, 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 We can say there's that many major champions on live. That's fine. It's cool to say, but a lot of them are legacy major champions. And yeah, well, obviously the, the young up-and-comers have got to beat those guys and, and, and passing of the torch. But for the first time, when I personally looked at both fields and some friends of mine that have been, you know, uh, on the fence when it comes to live, for the first time, there has been no denying that the modernity of the field and the mixture of legacy within the field felt reasonably similar. And I think those, the the addition of Ram and Hatton has, I, I honestly think in 10 years time, whatever live becomes, that will be the single biggest pivotal moment because it was that that has transformed the brand for me. And they've, they did a few things around it for me. They, again, they did a few things around the broadcast. I thought the broadcast was far better than last year. Still a little sketchy in places. The pylon was a little bit out of order against the commentary and like whoever's placing the microphones, sometimes the music's loud, sometimes it's soft and I can hear the cup rattle when the ball goes in. Like little details that just, it's all just through practice. That is not... That is not hearing the cup. That is an imported noise. And the two things that I've uh, I've said that Liv need to do is they need to get rid of that import. Hey, look, we know I like Liv. It's not a surprise to anyone. Sounds rubbish. But <laughs> that imported noise when the ball goes in the cup needs to disappear. It's got it's it's yeah. got to go. It's funny. I like it. I like it. I didn't think it was imported though. I th- I thought they actually had microphones in them. No, no, it's yeah, in the cup. I, I thought you were sure about that. I can tell you it's imported. Okay. Because twice during the broadcast, you heard the noise randomly as they're walking down the fairway. And it is the exact same noise. Because I hmm. wondered if they got some of the channels mixed up. Because you heard it a few times where yeah. a few mic channels are being left on and there was like a, a, someone's cell hmm. phone went off. And it was a bit like Trigger Happy TV here in the UK. It was, you know, the old Nokia ringtone jam. And it was, hmm. there's a few little details like that. But again... It's still okay. fairly new. I think the, the quality of everything was was significantly higher. Um, okay. Let's talk about that field strength because um, we had obviously. Let's let's think about it this way, okay? It felt like there was a lot of parity. 
between the PGA Tour this week in terms of field, regardless of the results, and live. All right, that's the first thing to note. But then, if you look at some of the stories that came out of it, all right, we had Wyndham Clark, who won with a sixty, fifty-four holes, um, but he he then had, let's just say the the next two, Oberg and Pavon. Pavon won last week, and Oberg's breathing down his neck. He, frankly, I think he would have pipped him because he was on a bit of a tear. And then you had Jaco, you had Sergio. But the big stories were people like Surratt, Vincent. You know, they all had pretty strong debuts. A lot of the argument has been that the players just aren't there. And I just feel like that has probably changed. How important, for Jay, I think this would be an interesting one for you. Those storylines around like people like Caleb Surratt, okay? He, he four-putted and instead of going to pieces like I would, he absolutely blitzed it, all right? How important is that? when you have similar stories like Dunlap and, and Oberg on the PGA Tour, you know, the, the argument of strength of upcoming talent, again, that doesn't necessarily seem to be there anymore. It's, yeah. again, there's a bit of parity. Yeah, it's true. I, I think the diversity of talent is something at Live that they've really done a good job of up-leveling from last season to this season. Um, I think the depth of field, uh, you know, we always talk about raising the floor of live. And I think um, it was an addition by subtraction in some ways too. like some of the guys like uh, Siwon Kim, unfortunately, I hate picking on him, but it is what it is. Uh, and then people like, you know, Chase Kepka, uh, <laughs> those are like two of the punching bags of live last year. Um, and this, this year, like you don't really like it. If you look at the, feel like you don't really have that anymore. Like you have guys that are younger, but they're uh, proven sort of talented commodities like Surratt. Like um, I think that's something people, it's going to go totally gloss over, but when you uh, totally screw up and and have a a four putt, uh, when you're having a pretty good round, typically it's going to go South after that. He rebounded immediately and made five straight birdies. Like that's something that like people need to like, like really file away like, oh, wow, this is like really, really impressive. Um, And then when you start looking through the field, like there's not like there's not a lot of weaknesses anymore. Like I think that the uh, the relegation this season is going to be really interesting to sort of see who's at the very, very bottom, uh, because that's going to tell you a lot about sort of where live is going and uh, like we mentioned last week a lot of these uh, sort of captains and sort of higher level players like their contracts are going to be up this year and next year so uh you you start falling down in the relegation all of a sudden you might not have a spot on on live in very very short order so i definitely think that the depth is there i think that if people uh, people are always going to nitpick like Certain players, and trust me, I could go to the PJ Tour leaderboard and talk about like all these these people that no one's heard heard of. I know it because I'm a I'm a golf sicko. Most most people are not not going to know those names. The live model, you get to know these players because there's less players, and you get to know them week to week, so that by the end of the season, uh, you may not have known who Caleb Surratt was prior to two weeks ago. Moving forward. You're going to know who he is because you're going to have a whole season. He's going to play in every single event against these great champions from the past or the uh, sort of current. He's on a team with John Rahm. He's on a team with Terrell Hatton. 
And I think that that's something that's really interesting and it's something that people really need to keep an eye on as time goes on. A lot of these guys you don't know now. The end of the season, if you're following Liv very, very closely, you're going to know exactly who, who they are uh, you know, by the end of the season. I think Caleb Surratt is, you, you look at it, he was he was seventh. I, I just lost it. Surratt, where is he? He was, he was eighth in greens in reg. And that is just, and seventh in fairways hit. For a boy who they kept saying was repacking his dorm to be seventh in fairways hit and eighth in greens and regulation is phenomenal. And especially when you consider he had a four, he had a four putt to just go birdie, 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 birdie and have that discipline and that control because you miss a couple of those fairways and a couple of those greens and you go from 7th and 8th down to sort of 15th and 20th and, and you're middle of the pack. But like, I, the, the strength of field for me is fantastic. And I, and I, and I, look, I look at the – if I get the big, big one of my big screen on the phone and I look at the – I just look down that list. And, and again, at least comparing it to PJ Tour, fantastic – the PJ Tour had a fantastic card as well. You look at Clark, Aberg, uh, Scheffler, Thomas, Day, Burns, Rose, Cantley. Keegan Bradley, Morikawa in their top 14. And they're all big names. Neiman, Garcia, Rahn, Burmeister, Johnson, Kepka, Hatton, Ustazen, Cam Smith, Paul Casey, Taylor Gooch. Like, it's just those that you could put that one, you could put one 14 against the other 14. It'd be a fantastic, fantastic event where you'd probably have to do a coin flip. And that's, that's testament to the, to the characters and the, and the players they brought on. And I think that what for me is so encouraging is that there are so many people saying positive things this time about live that they weren't before. And it does feel like a lot of the, the maybe the fence sitters have gone, do you know what? It isn't as bad as people made out. <laughs> and I said the one, the one thing that did make me laugh was it's gone from being, Oh, it's a, it's a tour of has beens, which it never was. It's a tour of has beens to going. They're now moaning, they're now moaning about the music and the team names. It's, and I and I get team names are always funny, but like who who went who who would have thought Miami Dolphins when it first came out was a great a great team name, like the L.A. Lakers. Find me a lake in L.A. They weren't based there originally. Do you know what I mean? Like they want Red Sox, White Sox. It's it's all moved around. And names don't necessarily work straight away. I think that is something that will come with time and um, recognition and just repetition of it being in existence. But look, the PGA Tour had a great, a great level of player. The Liv had a fantastic level of player on display. And I think it's, I know people say, I want them all to play together. Well, part of me doesn't. I like them playing a part. And I like the fact that the majors are going to be where hopefully they all come together. And if any point ever gets done, a PGA Tour versus a Liv Tour competition, the Ryder Cup style event. I don't mind a little bit of people being on one side and the other. Let's get them together and let's let, let's let them compete against each other four or five times a year. They don't have to compete together week in, week out. That's, That's such fair. a, That's- it's a huge thing just to sort of jump in, Jay. The, it's wild, isn't it, with the majors? Because the, the comment from, from, from Yako at the end where, you know, a lot of people have said, almost said it as if it was flippant, you know, the, the, the first thing he said on the interview was, you know, congratulations. He said, yeah, but I'm not in the majors. And it was, it sounded flippant and it looked flippant when you see it in black and white on Twitter or whatever. When you see the guy, like he's upset. I know he's in the open because he won the Australian, but 
he's upset by it. And I, it, it's, it wasn't flippancy, was some, it? It wasn't flippancy. No, it, 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 wasn't, was, it was upset and anger. Yeah, it was, it was his first reaction and I get it. And it just feels like if the cards are played right, like you just alluded to, Ben, the, like the majors are the clear winners out of all this if the cards are just played right. And because all the ratings go up, all every, everything just raises if the majors are the only places that these guys are playing together. And it just seems wild, Jay, that we can't we just we can't seem to get to that, you know? Yeah, unfortunately, and this is some, something that I'm I'm going to keep complaining about until it's until it's fixed. Um, I just I don't know I don't have any confidence that the majors are, are going to fix this. Like I don't have any. I know David Faraday basically guaranteed that Waka was going to get an invite to the Masters. I don't see it that that way at all. I think that the sort of golf establishment wants to punish these guys, um, and I think that 2024 might be their uh, sort of last opportunity to do that. Um, I think that they want to punish uh, some of the players that are not in the Masters, so they're not going to extend any special invites. I hope that I'm proven wrong. I really do. Like it, it will restore some of my faith um, in Augusta National if they they do, because if they don't invite Joaquin Neiman, who's literally only the only reason why he's not in, in the Masters is because of politics. Um, like it goes against literally everything that they stand for. They created the Latin America Amateur Championship specifically for guys like Joaquin Neiman to get recognition and get in the Masters. He won it um, in 2018. Like it wasn't like that long ago and he was playing in, in the Masters. He, he played in it last year and he played well. He finished 16th. And it wasn't that long ago that if you finished 16th in the Masters, you were automatically invited back next year. So there's a lot of reasons why they could say, oh yeah, let's just uh, I'll bring him in. I think that the whole golf is- establishment is very petty. I think that they're very upset about how things have gone with Liv. Um, I don't think they like being back into a corner like this. Um, and I think they're going to resist. I don't think he's going to get invited. I think it's going to be a travesty. I think that it's going to go against everything they stand for. And I think that um, – <laughs> Augusta National is going to get exposed if they don't invite Joaquin Neiman because he's this great global superstar in golf. Like, I think that he's a super, like, he's that good. Like, I know uh, talent when I see it. Joaquin Neiman is like one of the most talented players that like I've ever seen. So, um, and for him to not get in the majors, like, I still think he's obviously in the, in the open. Uh, he's so good. Like, I, I'm pretty sure he's going to want to qualify for the U.S. Open too, um, and I think his ranking should it should be maintained uh, so that the PGA Championship he should still be in the top hundred. I think uh, it might be a little bit dicey, but uh, so I, I think he'll he'll be in three of them. But the Masters is a closed invite, unfortunately. Uh, the only way he's going to get in because he, he's not going to have enough world ranking points to get in the top fifty. Um, for a variety of reasons. And uh, it's really frustrating to me because the majors are supposed to be where the best players are all coming <laughs> together. And if you, t- you start getting to the point where you don't have all the best players, you're going to start to, people are going to start questioning like, Oh man, like you're missing like all these guys, like you're missing one now, maybe next year you're missing five, maybe then the year after that you're missing 10, 15, like all of a sudden you start getting to the point where it's like, 
wait a minute, like, is this really a major? Um, and that seems crazy right right now. I get it. The Masters is like one of the top, you know, golf tournaments. It's it's probably the top golf tournament in the world. Everybody watches it. It's the the highest rated rated one. I get it. Looking into the future, though, part of the reason why it is what it is is because it's always had the best field. And if it starts getting to the point where, uh, like in two years, Bryson DeChambeau is not automatically qualified for the Masters. So, and there's a lot of other guys uh, at Live that, that are like that, that too. Bryson's probably going to have to win this year uh, to make sure he gets gets in forever. But uh, that's the thing that's really frustrating to me. I don't know how this is going to play out. Um, I'm hopeful, fingers crossed, that we get some sort of resolution to get these guys access to the major so that we don't have to haggle over this. Um, except I think for a 2024, they're going to do everything that they, they can to keep Waco out. We shall see on that one. Not too long to wait before April rolls around and we should get a little bit of news before then. Now, in just a bit, we are going to talk a little bit about Wyndham 60 and uh, Yako's 59. We're going to dive deep on those two. Plus, I think there was a bit of a pivotal broadcast moment for Liv that got some people interested. But before we do that, remember you can get over to glugc.com slash support and join our fan zone anytime. You're going to get some early access to meetups. You're going to get some early access to content as we roll more and more out. But also you get to get involved and say that you are a part, indeed, of Golf Lovers United. Now, Ben, you got some thoughts. Wyndham Clark has shot a historic 60 over at Pebble Beach. Um, but you asterisked, mate. What, what's going on? What's the asterisk? What I found, and this is one, a couple of people that I, that I get on with, quite civil with, in the golf media that are not, they're very anti-live, have said things like, why can't you just say well done? Now, my point is, I did say well done. It was an incredible round. Shoot 60 is unbelievable. But those same people were the very first people that when Bryson got his 58, went, it was lift, clean and place. That 58 doesn't count. It was lift, clean and place. It was lift, clean and place. Bryson's 58 doesn't count. And when you dare to say the same, it's a valid point. Look, Bryson's 58 was world-class, like unbelievable. What an amazing round. It was lift, clean, and place. The 58 still stands because he shot 58. Wyndham 60 still stands because he shot 60. The point I'm making is, if you're going to apply the lift, clean, and place attack to one person, and attack's the wrong word, critique, you should be able to apply it the other way. Now, Wyndham's... 60 was undoubtedly one of the best rounds that's ever been shot, best score for sure, and one of the best rounds that's ever been shot at Pebble Beach. You can't take that away from him. It was world-class. And I watched, I was about to say something snarky. I said, I watched about 12 shots because of adverts, but I, the, the adverts are a problem, but hey, I'm not, I'm not moaning about that. Wyndham's round was fantastic. I watched about 12 shots of it, and the guy was flushing it. Absolutely superb. But we've all played golf when it's lift, clean, and place. And even if you don't improve your lie through the lift, clean, and place, mentally, you feel like you've got a better place. You feel like your ball's in a slightly better position. And golf is up here. We know that. My point isn't that it's not a great round. and It's not that it isn't the best shot score ever at, at Pebble Beach, which it is. My point is, should we be saying to ourselves, fairly, 
Here's a 60 with lift, clean and place. As true as 60, as a 60 playing it as it lies. That's all I'm saying. And I would never have said that if the comments hadn't been made about Bryson's 58. It was a bit defensive of me, for sure. But I feel like many of us have been riding into battle for some of these people at times because of the unfair criticism. And I think it's a perfect example of criticising it on one side and not levelling the same criticism or being cross that criticism is being given away. That's all it is, Mark. And yeah, fantastic round, best score ever there. He flushed it round there. Would he have shot a 60 without lift, clean and place? Quite possibly. Who knows? I tend to think lift, clean and place is probably worth one and a half to two strokes. Anecdotal, made up in my own mind. But I know that for me, if I get a chance to lift, clean and place, I always joke, my favourite time of year is March the 28th to March the 30th, when the green, when the fairways have started to dry out a bit, but I still get a bit of lift, clean and place under winter rules. So I'm getting the best of both worlds. Or when it goes into when it goes into October, and of course has a strict October to end of March, lovely stuff. I've still got some firm fairways and I can pick clean and place. And I, met, I say it as a joke, that's all I'm thinking. It's not that it wasn't a great round. It was one of the greatest rounds we've ever seen. It was superb. He deserves all the praise. But a 60 with lift, clean and place isn't the same to me as a 60 without Yeah, I think that's that's totally fair. And I think that the thing about some of these criticisms too, like all the criticisms of Bryson sort of that came out after he shot 58, it was like it was so disingenuous on a lot of levels. Um, and that's that's part of the reason why, uh, you know, some of us sort of leaned into the fact that, you know, Wyndham Clark 60 was lift, lift cleaner place. But um, actually, I dove into the numbers a, um, a little bit on Twitter some of the strokes gain numbers um, about Wyndham's 60 and people were trying to say, I think he even said some, something about, Oh, um, I'd rather shoot 60 at Pebble than 59 someplace else. He's obviously take, taking a shot at walking Neiman. There's no question, question about it. Uh, and Wyndham, Wyndham Clark just, just needs to zip it about live because there's a lot of information out, <laughs> out there about why he's not, uh, he wasn't playing at, Mayakoba this 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 week we've already shared some of that Im- information so uh, he needs to just like stop so uh but Joaquin Wa- Neiman's fifth 59 was basically almost three shots better uh strokes gained than uh Wyndham Clark 60 uh just because the scoring average uh at Mayakoba was 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 actually a little bit higher than it was at Pebble that particular day the distribution uh, was a little bit wider for for walk uh, for walking Neiman, uh, which makes his fifty nine again almost three shots more impressive than Wyndham Clark sixty. So because the pebble scoring average of pebble was like ridiculously low, it was in the sixties. So uh, that's something people need to sort of, uh, if you are going to dive into the numbers a little bit more, and I was waiting for Data Golf to say something about it, but they, they never really did. Uh, but they were the, the first ones to sort of dive into and sort of try to discredit Bryson's 58. Uh, it's stuff like that that just like really grinds my gears in it. Like it's, it's, I'm hopeful that we're sort of moving into this period of time where, where people are going to start treating these things more fairly. I still think that there's so much bad information out there or just like withholding information or like double standards and all these things that we just have to continue to keep calling them out. 
it just is what it is until this, this is fixed. Maybe, maybe it'll never be fixed. Maybe it's always going to be some some level of un, um, unfairness in, in terms of how these these things are uh, uh, covered. But um, it's our job. Um, it's, it's something that I take seriously, and it's something that like I want to make sure that I am sort of centering the conversation. Whenever it's going too far in one direction, I'm going to bring it back to sort of center. Uh, that's sort of uh, one of the things that I've been doing from the beginning. And it's part of the reason why people think that I'm, I'm such a live shill is because the, the conversation about live has been so negative over the last two years. Like I've been trying to centering the center of the conversation the whole time. So I, um, it probably does seem, seem like I have a live bias and, and maybe I, maybe I do, but it's, it's like, you do have to treat these things more fairly. And that's what I'm all about. That's what this podcast is all about. Um, and we're going to continue to keep calling out this um, unfairness and hypocrisy um, until it stops. Let's talk about Yako's 59, which I watched the entire round on that. His putter was on, well, he was on fire throughout from tee to green and, 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 and on every single putting surface. But that could have easily, easily been a 57. Missed four footer, four foot four inch on 17. Didn't play 18 fantastically, short the green, a little bit of a little bit of a duffer. Um, but he duffed it for a 59. I mean, holy crap, that's pretty solid stuff. Uh, ben, that could have easily been a 57 though, man. Am I the only person whose lower back hurts watching him in his impact position? Surely, <laughs> my lower back hurts all the time mate. mate that's that's over 40 for you surely I can't be the only person that watch him, watches him impact and goes that's absolutely insane how how he get like it's just like, oh unbelievable but look he, fantastic round he, he's a great striker of the ball and I think one of the things that Waku would say himself he didn't have the greatest first half of the season last year on live, like that things weren't quite gelling for him. Obviously he was new in some ways with the team and getting his mates together in the way that it did and all that sort of stuff. And what other external pressures might, might be on a man. And we all, we all know we all have different levels of form, but he's sort of taken that back half of the season on live and got better and better and better. Got into the DP world tour um, in the live off season, played a few events there. We know he won the Aussie Open and we know he won. He came fourth in the other event, which Min Woo Lee won. And he just kept going and going and going. A fifth place in Dubai. And he, he he's, he's really trending. And, and the thing I get when I, when I watch him is he doesn't seem to have any self-doubt at all. Now, I'm not saying the other 53 players have got loads of self-doubt, but you can sometimes see from what, I like it to Rory McIlroy. When Rory McIlroy's got that swagger going, you know he's going to shoot a 65. You know what I mean? When Rory gets going, that strut goes, and Rory's, I joke, he bounces down the fairway like he's got springs in his shoes. But Neiman's almost got a slightly different, it's like a, it's a, it's like a quicker to the ball like that. And it's, and I love it. And you can just see, and he gets there, he has long conversations with his caddy, and the relationship they've got is fantastic. And I thought his 58, sorry, his 59 was absolutely superb. It was a pleasure to watch and a joy to watch. But I am going to say something about golf and Neiman from day two and day three. Not about the two-shot penalty um, that, 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 that happened. Not If you just look, and Greg Norman was in the booth for a little bit. And Greg Norman said something, and we've all been there. He said, 
today because what did Neiman get on round two? He got sorry, he got the he got the, he got he was one over. And Greg Norman said, sometimes when you play golf, for some reason, some reason you can't explain, you're always between a club. And Greg Norman did a fantastic, he said, yesterday when he shot 12 under, he said, they got to the club, they got to the ball, what distance is it? 175, okay, that's my eight iron, I'm picking a random club. But it was always his number. And he said, you go to round two, and every time they got to the ball, every time you heard them speak, Oh, do I a seven, do I an eight? He was never, and, and golf is so funny that you can shoot a 12 under the day day one and a day two, you shoot a one over and he didn't play bad golf day two, but sometimes you, you're just in between clubs. And I, I've shot a couple of low single figures, which I know to Jay is nothing. He shot under par a few times, <clears throat> but a couple of times I shot low single figures, everything, my four, I had a four over. Every time I got to a ball, it was 125 or 137, like which are the distances that I hit my gap wedge and I hit my pitching wedge. I mean, it was like, it was literally everything. And I thought about that and I thought, I wonder if there's enough made of golf about sometimes just that ball's in the right place for you. Do we talk about that? No, I don't think uh, we, we talk about that nearly enough. Like that's something that is like a really, that's the reason why great rounds turn into great rounds is because, um, everything kind of goes your way. Um, it and look, walk like like I said, walking Neiman is one of the top five to ten most talented players in the world. He he literally has no weaknesses in his game. Like I have been uh, watching him for a long time. A lot of guys, I tend to sort of find something that's like a little bit of a weakness, and I want to uh, sort of talk about that. The the one weakness that I thought that uh, maybe he had was like. The, men, uh, the mental toughness, like I wasn't exactly sure sort of where he was there, but like to get that two-stroke penalty right before the, the third round that turned his uh, 70 into a 72, um, and then to bounce back and still wind up winning the event, uh, that's something that's going to go totally glossed over, but it's like a lesser player would have like taken that and like was going south a little bit in the final round, like a lesser player would have probably shot 75 and lost. Um, he wound up keeping it under part. He kept it together. Uh, granted, it wasn't as, as good as his first round, like very few rounds are, but you know, I think he was able to sort of keep his level. He drove it great. His iron game is always solid. Short game, good. Putting was great. Uh, he was able to save um, uh, some really good pars. Um, you know, he just he's a player that has no weaknesses. So, like, I think part of the reason why he made such a big deal about the majors in the uh, post round is because he knows that he can win not one, but he can win multiple majors. There's no question about it in, in my mind. And it just takes him getting in. And he's playing so well now uh, that they, they better keep him out of the Masters because he could easily go there and win. So, uh, be, because he's got the game to certainly do it. So, and he's been trending at Augusta National the, the last three years. He's been progressively getting better and figuring out that course. And he's still so young. He's only 25. So it's like he has his whole career ahead of him. Um, I think that he's, um, as long as he finds a way to get in his majors, he's going to win one, I think, in the next two to three years. I don't think there's any, any question to me about that. Um, and he's just, he showed his mental fortitude and it's something that there's other younger players that I'm not quite sure if they have it, 
One of those players is Ludwig. I'm not sure if he has that mental fortitude just yet. He hasn't proven it in majors yet. He hasn't even played in a major yet. Um, and the one time he was in a big event, he was in the lead in the third round. He totally blew up in the final round. So um, at the BMW PJ last year. So it's just something that people need to keep an eye on as things continue to unfold this season. It's something that I want people to just like uh, plant that seed so that when it does, things start going a certain way, you're more equipped to say, oh, you know, uh, this is some, something we had talked about early in the year. Um, and it's something that I think uh, is going to play itself out a certain, certain way. I'm excited to see how the season plays out. I think it's going to be really interesting. So we'll have to see. I disagree massively on Ludwig Aberg. I think that everyone has a bit of a blow up. I don't think that necessarily means you're mentally fragile or mentally weak. I would say one of the things I think that really helps Aberg, and when I think that mentally it's a good that he's a, he, he could be very strong. I mean, what we are yet to see is that if you're a natural flusher of the ball and you're not a forcer of the ball, that really helps mentally. If you haven't got to try and force gaps and force this and force that and just a natural flusher, I think that really helps. So I think I, I think you're being a bit harsh on Aberg there. But we're, we don't always have to agree, do we? Not okay, at you all. Guys uh, disagreement's playing nicely. I'm going to get this on Twitter. You got like you guys like nothing more on Twitter than going look back at this tweet from 12 years ago when I said Twitter is amazing, and now look at it, it's amazing. I was right. You guys are wild. to be clear. I did pick Joaquin Neiman to win this event, so I, I don't. I didn't want to pat myself on the back here, but I picked him to win my and He did win, so let's just uh, let's. Let's not gloss over that. <laughs> you can have that one. I'll give you that, my friend. I do want to get to the picks in a minute. We are going to wrap up in a second because I think you're absolutely right. You did pick that, mate, and you deserve that one. The um, the, the picks for, for last time I want to get to, I want to skim over them and just, just revisit them, but also let's get our picks for this weekend as well. But one thing just to finish up on, I think we live in Mayakoba, which I think has probably begun to change the tune a little bit. We talk about brand quite a lot of live, and it's had a lot of work to do on brand. I think Liv accidentally got something that it desperately needed this weekend. I think every thing, whether it's a media outlet, whether it's a golf tour, whether it's a startup, whether it's a band, whether it is a movie, needs an iconic shot. And I think Liv Golf finally got its iconic shot this week because the TV shot from above showing the huge monitor lighting up the green as they played in darkness, coupled with Sergio saying, come on, let's go and just get it done. That they desperately needed that iconic shot. And I think they, they managed to get it. So yeah, huge, huge props on that one. I thought it looked fantastic. Now let's get some picks. Um, ben, very quick recap. I wasn't around. I had tonsillitis. Who did you guys and Achille have for Maya Koba? So the, the, the only way to make this work, right, is that we'll do our picks over the season. Whoever gets the lowest score wins. Because obviously if you pick Bryson, which Jay did, and he finished 25th for his third place, that's 25. So what, what we'll do is we'll just you have three picks, and whoever you, whoever's got the lowest score over the season, and Mark, standing in for you last week, was Achille, and he's done you some favours. <laughs> You're off to a flyer. So both Achille and Jay picked Neiman to win. Achille had uh, Cam Smith and DJ finished eighth and fifth respectively. Um, then Jay, despite picking the winner, is in last place because he picked P. Reed, who came 17th, and Bryson, who came 25th. And while I didn't get a winner, I had Burmeister at fourth, Abe at 20th, 
and John Rahm at third. My fireball pit came sixth. Um, Achilles Range Goats came 11th and the Crushers came in second. With the teams, what I'm going to do is I'm going to double that up because it's the difference of having a single versus a team. So that's how we'll do it. I'll track it over the year. No one will be interested apart from me and maybe 10 other people who listen to this, but I will keep a record of it. So what I need off you, gentlemen, I need your your three singles players. You can say who you think is going to finish first, but the three singles players is what's going to is what's going to count for your score and your team, who you think your team will be. So let's fly through them. If you want me to go first, I'm happy to go through them first. But we've got a rule, Mark, to keep Jay on time. You are only allowed to give a 30-second explanation behind a player. That is the rule. Because you know what Jay's like? He could give you an hour on why Paul Casey, who he won the Pro-Am with, is going to finish second. So if you want my picks, I'll go first. I'm going to take that as a challenge. I'm going to go first, and I'm going to keep this all under 30 seconds. Um, and also, I kind of think that we should only pick winners instead of the top three, but that's... All right, let's pick top two. Top two, then. Just do two. We'll do two. Top two. Okay. All right, top two. I'm going Brooks to win. I think Vegas is his spot. He loves Vegas. This course suits him. I think he's going to play well. And uh, number two, I'm going to go DJ. Um, I think that he is playing pretty well right now. Um, and then for my team, I got to go with the four aces. I think the four aces played really poorly in Mayakoba. They will be the first to... Um, admit that they are going to bounce back. They're going to bounce back in a huge way. They're going to win. Uh, I'll live golf, Las Vegas. Mark. I'm going to go with Rambo because I think he's got a point to prove from last week. I think he desperately wanted that first week win. I think he wanted to, like they kept saying on the broadcast of the new sheriff in town. So I think Rambo has got a big, big point to prove. Um, and he played well. So he's coming off that team win as well. I also, I think Bryson's probably trending as well. He seemed to feel pretty good last week. Um, And for the team, I mean, this is, it just feels cliche now. We're only two weeks in, but it feels cliche to say Legion 13, but I just, they looked that strong this week because of that fourth, that fourth player counting. It just looked really strong. Um, So they're my picks, my friend. Okay, I'll allow it this week, but from now on, after this week, you cannot. You can only pick one captain. That's got to be fair. Otherwise, we're only picking the same seven or eight players the whole time. That fair? Because if we were going to pick one captain and one other, my other would have been a different player than I'm going to pick. There is no way for me I'm not going to pick Brooks. Las Vegas Golf and Country Club is an old-school golf club, very tight, but still got length. So it's going to reward being tight and accurate and into greens. I can't, Brooks has to be my pick for that. Brooks absolutely has to be my pick for it. Now I'm torn between Sergio Garcia going for another great round, flushed his irons all day, was a little bit wayward at times off the tee. So I'm, I'm going to go for, I'm going to go for John Rahm. I don't want to go for John Rahm because I wanted to go for Tyrrell Hatton. But because I thought we were going to do one captain and one non-captain, but you two have got got me for that. So you've gone Legion thirteen. I was tw- I was talking between Legion thirteen and between um, Ripper. I think the Ripper were trending really, really well at the end. I have some concerns, maybe about Surratt and Vincent for their just their first time, not in this players with a big crowd. They can have a massive crowd really tight to people. I don't know how they're going to respond to that. So I think that the Ripper GC are going to be better in that environment. 
but I can't overlook the Stingers. I've got to go Stingers. I'm going for the Stingers as my team. I'm going for the Stingers. They love a bit of tea to green. Right, that's that dealt with. We've done the teams. I will work out the scoring. From next week on, gentlemen, it is one captain and one non-captain. I think I can smell a spreadsheet coming. That sounds very much like something Ben might get on with. Anyone watching the YouTube version of this? You'll see how delighted he looks. <laughs> hey, listen, thank you for joining us for episode 22 of Golf Lovers United. What a fascinating time it has been over the last week and will continue to be into next week, of course, with, well, Live Golf Las Vegas, which has built its own party hall to compete with the PGA Tour over in Phoenix at the Waste Management. So we will see what comes. We will be back next week with more of the same. If you enjoyed this, let us know over on Twitter at GLU Golf Club. You can listen at glugc.com. You can watch us over on YouTube or you can tell your friends they can tune in in their podcast app of choice. And if you want to get involved in the fan zone, just like our good friend Tony Gentile, once again, happy birthday, Tony. You can do so at glugc.com slash support. Ben, we'll see you next week, sir. Thank you very much. And I am probably four to five hours away from having completed the um, putting together our first event in the UK. So I'll have all the information on that. And I'm trying to make the date work for when Jay's going to be in the UK and Achille from Drunk by the Turn so they can join us on our golf day. Get yourself a spreadsheet. That'll sort it out and it will be a great day. And if you do turn up at the event, you can bring your own spreadsheet. So look out for that one. Now, it will be exciting. And you will get to know about that first if you are a FanZone member, glugc.com slash support. And Jay, always good to see you, mate. Love you for aces, hat, commiserations on not winning the team event this week. Yeah, it was a tough week for us. Um, however, like I said, we're, we're going to bounce back. Um, I can't believe we're already 22 episodes into the Golf Lovers United. By the way, this is really impressive. Um, last I, I checked, there, uh, we've now done more than I did with the other guy uh, who will remain nameless. Um, I think that things have been going really, really well for us. We've got a great team. Uh, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to another 22 episodes. I love it. And as a data guy, I'll tell you this, my friend, we are trending very, very well in terms of downloads, in particular over on YouTube. We are doing really, really well in terms of what does an average podcast get? It's, it's We are in a very strong position and most podcasts only make it to episode seven. So we've tripled that record and we'll be back for more next week. So until then, thank you, the ever-present listener. Thank you to all that get involved over on Twitter at GLU Golf Club. So until next time, enjoy your golf, whether you're playing, whether you're watching, enjoy yourself, look after yourself, and we'll see you next week.